welcome to Silly Breakfast. This is episode 23. You know, nobody likes you when you're 23. Who loves the Blink-182? Oh, me. I know you do. I know you I'm do. I'm a big Blink guy. <laughs> yeah, today I got uh, the full crew here with me. Um, Tyler and Salty are both here. And we're just going to roll into what you got. So who wants to go first? I've got a secret. And it's about this podcast. And all the listeners may never know about it. We're all shirtless right now. So I'm just letting you all know that the boys are tarps off. Um, and it's that type of season. It's time for a Native American summer. It's when the, the, the heat, you don't, you feel like fall is in the air in the evening, but in the, in the, in the, in the morning, but during the day you're, you're getting these 90 degree humid days still. Moist. It's wet. It's wet out. It's just like thick, wet air i was i didn't even do a lot like physical moving today i was dripping sweat all day and i was literally thinking before we got on i was like man i wonder if it's weird to go uh toftb on this and then tyler showed up shirts off so i was like fuck it let's do it yeah yeah i i I went for a run today it was uh not the smartest idea it's my first run in probably eight years uh (laughs) i ran 0.6 miles and really struggled but it's part of my little kind of getting back on track with health and everything. I want to start running, but uh, it was, it, I was sweating bullets after just 0.6 miles. Yeah. Every, every run starts with a step, Maddie. And uh, this isn't the season to be doing it, but it, here we are. It's, it's uh, the weather is great. I, I love this type of weather where you can put on sweat, sweatshirt and shorts at the same time. Yeah, man, Maddie, speaking of running, I tricked myself during like, peak covid times into thinking that i was gonna i was like i'm gonna start running i have like nothing to do with my time tyler actually sent a pair of running shoes mailed them to new hampshire where i was staying at the where i was living during the beginning of covid and i did it for about a week and i downloaded this app this actually is a good one it's called couch to 5k and it slowly uh increases your your thing it's an app whatever but i suggest it because it got my ass off the couch and then it got hot and I was like, no, this I I'm not a runner. I don't want to run. Um, I'm having more fun just cooking and like drinking wine than than running. But that's kind of where we all were at in uh, the early stages of COVID. So yeah, I'm more worried about it getting cold because I I hate running on treadmills, yeah. and I like running outside more or like doing I like walking or running outside more. And I I just hate treadmills. So the winter is gonna suck if I you know get a bunch of good runs in and then it gets cold and i stop you should just be a weirdo and and just run laps around your house yeah (laughs) close to home if you get tired you could just go inside just bring out the snowblower and make yourself a little track yeah yeah totally i like it all right salty what you got um i kind of going off the cuff here um excuse me uh big day for the uh, dalton household where I know I've talked about it a bunch. Probably got two more pods after tonight in me, hopefully, before the baby comes. But today, we had an ultrasound, and I got pictures of the baby, like the baby's face, which was pretty wild, pretty surreal. Um, they were going in to make sure all his dexterity was good and all his limbs were, were good and that he looked good. And they're like, oh, we can give you some face pictures. Unfortunately, he looks a lot like me. It's looking like he's got my nose, which is a bummer. Um, Brie is a lot easier to look at than I am, but it's early days, early days yet. And, I, and they're also like, it looks like a clay 
formation of a baby. It's not it's not super clear, but still pretty cool, pretty surreal being this close and having, you know, actually seeing like a real dude that you made helped make. I don't know. Seeing their face is pretty wild. Just wait until they're about to turn one year old. Yeah. My, it's, it's crazy though, because they go through so many iterations. They might look like you for a second and then all of a sudden they look exactly like whoever it is that you made it with. And then it goes back and forth right now. My daughter is in the phase of looking like me and I'm fully counting down the days until she looks exactly like her mother. Yeah. That's what I told Bri. I was like pictures of Althea, like right now, I definitely think she looks like you and even even Jesse's daughter looks, I think, a lot like him right now. And but she's also like not even a month old. So I told her it'll change. I said, "Don't, don't, don't worry. Like, like it's not going to uh, come out massive head. Well, hopefully, I don't know. Who knows about the giant head? That, that runs in the family, so that's probably a given. But yeah, I don't know. Pretty, pretty wild. Pretty wild day. That thing's going to yeah, come out with a size eight fitted. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. So my what you got is uh, uh, I was I tweeted the other day and it actually got a lot of response. And it's kind of funny how it, it all came about. So I t- I don't know why I tweet. I just tweet and tweet into the void, if you will. But I tweeted the other day that I don't really have a college football team because I went to UMass and um, UMass is obviously one of the worst teams in the country the past like you know, five years or so. And uh, I mentioned like I was, you know, I, I follow, I tend to like follow certain teams throughout the year, which we'll talk about later. But UMass Twitter is a thing. Not only that, but they had a lot to say about my tweet. Um, oh, no. so, some people were disappointed in me. Uh, some people were just trying to recruit me uh, to be a fit, like to be a true, like to like, you know, recruit me back to fandom. Of, like, Shout UMass out stuff. the renegade army. Yep. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people were trying to recruit me. And, uh, then I had this one guy who was just real mad at me. It was so funny. He, he just kept tweeting in the thread, just like different things. Like his last tweet was something like, uh, like, uh, like stupid vagabond. I have no use for you or something like that. I was like, this is awesome. I loved it. I just like kept, I just kept saying nice things back to him. Uh, like to every like mean tweet he sent me, it was pretty funny. But uh, it was it, it was it was a it was a fun it was a fun little exchange. Um, a lot of them started following me, which was interesting. I gained like like thirty followers on Twitter because I said I would uh, join UMass Twitter and start tweeting about it, even though I don't necessarily consider myself a fan at the at this point. Um, I just like like watching the games, anyways. And uh, you know, I tweeted last week before the game that I was going to bet them plus seven in the over and people were excited. Not only that, but it hit, they ended up winning the game and the over hit. So people were excited for me in general. And uh, this week I am taking them again. They are playing Auburn this week and they are plus 35. (laughs) Uh, So as long as they don't lose by 35 or less or end up winning somehow, I will win that bet. I also took the over in that game because it seems like UMass can actually score a little this year, which is kind of a new thing. This and, is the uh, Nathan for you moment where I tell you that I'm all of those Twitter trolls. <laughs> yeah, just try to get me to be a fan. I've been it was slowly... pretty fun, though. Like it was so it was kind of sad seeing like people like 
truly disappointed in me for like going to UMass Dude, and not being a fan of my school. Like I'm looking, like, I'm looking at the tweet right now. It is, it is ridiculous. UMass is the only team to root for. Get in on literally the ground floor. That's a good one. Yep. I like it. That's yeah, great. It was pretty fun. It was, it was a fun little exchange. I'm, I'm, I, it was probably one of my favorite things that's happened to me on Twitter. Um, I've had like a few tweets like on like met, like responding to things like, you know, blow up a little bit. But this is like the only one that was just like purely me tweeting into the void that actually gained any traction. Didn't you have someone respond to one of your tweets? Is it like, did I imagine this? Like uh, a female sport? Was it like, well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I, maybe I, I made this up. But I thought like. Somebody responded to one of your tweets. I think Mina Kimes responded to one of my yeah, tweets. That's who it is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what I said, but I said something to Mina Kimes, and she responded to me once. But that's about it. You just oh, said that's so. Funny. That's a big <laughs> deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mina Kimes. Yeah. No, I, I would like to note that Maddie does have one celebrity follower, and his name's Julian Edelman. <laughs> what? Really? Yeah, Julian I Edelman fo- follows you, Maddie. No, he doesn't. I don't know why it showed me that he does. Really? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, I haven't. I I did not. I did not know that. I, if that's true, I don't think it's true. I Just wish DM it was. Him. Um, yeah. The UMass the UMass Renegade Army. I'm all for you. So if you're listening to this pod, I am a UMass alum, and I'm all for it. And so much of me thinks that it's just fun to be a part of the troll army. You know, they know how bad we are. We know how bad we are. I think that UMass has long tried to build a football reputation since we were in college and they won or went to the Division I AA championship. It was always a part of the plan to try to upsurp some of the Northeast talent. They just haven't made it happen yet. They play part of their games at Gillette, which is great for recruiting but it just hasn't paid dividends yet. But this year is the year. They started off in week zero in prime time on Saturday night in the first week of college football. And, you know, UMass, we're on, we on the up and up. Yeah, and, and we have Don Brown. Don Brown's a good coach. Don Brown's a good coach, so. You're buying the Twitter army right now. I, I'm, I'm starting to buy it a little bit. Dude, people are like, like uh, people are obsessed with them getting a bowl game this year. It's so funny. Like, like talking about like following uh, Don Brown into the darkness and like, you know, like eking out a bowl game and stuff like that. And honestly, I just, I love it. I, I'm, I'm, I, 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 I still, I'm not going to do the bandwagon thing and be like, oh, now I'm a fan of UMass, even though I technically haven't been, I, 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 I have followed them every year. They've been in the FBS, but I will not say I am like some big fan yet, but I will definitely be following along this year and really participating in the UMass Twitter. So that's all I really got to say about that. So let's move on from, uh, we're going to get back to college football in a minute, but uh, just quickly on Patriots, uh, the Pats waved Malik Cunningham and Bailey Zappi, and they all cleared waivers and now they are signed to the practice squad, which was not really a shocker when they, um, Wave them like I, I thought someone might take a chance on Bailey Zappi, but um, obviously didn't happen. And now they're on the practice one. I don't Dude, know if you guys have any thoughts. Allegedly, Zappi got like six offers and he turned them all down and decided to come back. Are you serious? I didn't, I yeah. didn't read that. I heard that on the uh, on the radio today. Um, 
Hold on. I, you talk amongst yourself. I'll look it up. Um, my guess is that he probably feels like he's better than Mac Jones. I think every quarterback thinks they're better than their the person they're competing against. But I do think that you sign on to that team thinking that you can be successful there. He was not great in preseason, though. He was not. He was not great in the preseason. I agree. I I love Malik Cunningham. Yeah, Malik Cunningham. He's a he's a Swiss Army knife, man. That guy can that guy will play anything for you, and even said so. He was like he's like I will play any <laughs> any position. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's hard to fight. It, it's hard to fight off uh, when somebody's offering to pay you several million dollars just to play a game every year. And be like, I only want to play quarterback, even though I'm a fringe NFL player. Yeah, you should just play everywhere. Just like Julian Edelman, college quarterback, Hall of Famer now. So what I'm seeing here is Zappiot offers to join seven other practice squads, but opted to stay in New England. It's a sensible decision for the second-year quarterback. He's familiar with the system. Um, And the only other quarterback on the Patriots 53-man roster at the moment. So, yeah, you got seven other offers to join other practice squads. I mean, it makes sense because he, he, what was he, a fourth-round pick or something like that? And I'm sure other teams looked at him, you know, and there may be other teams that were like, if he's out there, might as well take a shot on him. He looked decent in some of the games he played last year. hasn't looked great in the preseason this year. But that's not, like, super surprising to me. He's kind of, like, a little bit proven. And if, you know, like I said, if they looked at him going into the draft, why not throw him on the practice squad? Yeah, no, I think it's yeah. a great move for the Pats in general just to keep them, keep on board. I could totally see them try. I mean, you know, Bill, he wants a veteran on that roster. Uh, yeah. So we will be signing a veteran at some point. If, if I mean, I, I imagine so at least. Well, that's my next question is uh, of these now kind of like after the, all these cuts, there's guys out there like Colt McCoy, there's Chase Daniel, uh, Carson Wentz. What do you, what do you see? Any of those I can see, guys? I can see any of them. I could literally yeah. see any of them. I could even see like Will, like a younger guy like Will Greer, possibly after his like last preseason game, who had you know four touchdowns, like something yeah. like that. Will Greer was know. awesome in college. People forget that yeah. he was awesome. Absolutely. Did I hear also, my I just texted. Saying... I just texted the group about the screenshot where it shows that Julian Edelman follows Maddie. And it's all, he's one of 948 people that Julian Edelman follows. Are you serious? Are he you, wasn't are you fucking he, with me. He wasn't in your followers list. Yeah, you're fucking with me. You're muted. Why did it show on my screen? Look at the text that I just sent you. It does say followed by Julian Edelman. <laughs> What? That is so random. I can't believe Julian Edelman follows me. Maybe he's a oh. UMass fan. Maybe he started following me with the UMass Army. <laughs> Maybe so. I love so it. You do have a ton of UMass people following you, which is awesome. Yeah, it's pretty Followed funny. Followed by Brett Usher, Jesse Gordon, and 12 others you follow. Liz- oh, hold on. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sup, Julian Edelman. <laughs> Julian Edelman. Edelman 11, the official Twitter of Julian Edelman. That's 1.5 million followers. <laughs> That's wild. He's one of my 147 you... followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Julian Edelman, a bunch of Jesse's dead Twitter accounts, 
and, and then UMass a bunch people. of UMass Army and, people. And bots. I think there's a lot of bots that follow me. And Brett Usher, he's a big one now. Yeah, Usher's, Usher's my guy. But uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One last uh, Patriots quarterback potential veteran that is a current free agent, Big Dick Nick. Ah, Foles, yeah. Foles. I could, I could see them taking on someone like that, too. 34 years old, beat us in the Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to some Red Sox talk. So I'm just going to prompt Salty and let him, let him rant on the Red Sox right now. Let me cook a little bit. Yeah, um, let me cook. So I talked about several weeks about how I just wanted a fun summer. Um, it is August 30th, 2023. The Red Sox are officially dead. Um, they got swept. Hold on, let me just pull up the standings. I think they're like seven games out right now. They just got swept by the Astros. They are um, – Fourth in the AL East, uh, they're still above the Yankees, but the Yankees are uh, uh, dumpster fire. Um, they are 0-5-1 in their last uh, six series against winning teams with the only split coming against Houston, I think, last weekend. Um, they are currently sitting seven games out of a wild card spot. Um, so not good, not good. Um, let me see what else that I have here. Uh, uh, Duran, out for the season, seems he's ending surgery, who he's had a decent year um the only bright spot and i mentioned it i think in one of our first podcasts or at least one of the first baseball ones adam duvall man adam duvall has been the only bright spot for this year one of the only bright spots at least recently um he's had seven home runs in his last 10 games which i which i think has only been done twice in red sox history before this which is pretty wild david ortiz being one of them um He's got 18 home runs on the year in 70 games, which is the fourth most in his 10-year career playing limited games. Um, this Red Sox team was fun sometimes and incredibly frustrating sometimes, uh, but they just couldn't string together any. They, you know, they'd lose three, they'd win six, they'd lose four, they'd win five. They just were consistently inconsistent. Um, their pitching was terrible. Brian Bayo, even he was good, but he is, um, you know, he got beat up yesterday. So I don't know. It was it was a fun little bit of a summer, I guess. But they are officially dead. Um, R.I.P. Red Sox. Oh, the other good thing that came out of this the Red Sox season is we had this pretty cool patch today at work. This All Star Game '99 patch from my boss's dead father. That's pretty neat. Shout out your boss's dead room. father. I, yeah. I. I... I'm going to disagree with you. I still think it's a fun summer, and maybe it's just fun for me. Uh, as a diehard Portland Sea Dogs fan, uh, I've gone to three games this year. Shout out Blaze Jordan, which is the greatest minor league baseball player I've ever seen. Not not really. That That is held by Hanley Ramirez and Marcelo Mayer uh, and Charles Johnson. Oh, CJ. Um, but... <laughs> Hanley Ramirez was one of the most electric people I've ever seen play a sport, as is Marcelo Mayer. But uh, Tristan Cassis, awesome second half of the year. Yeah. I mean, I think think the Red Sox, I don't think as much of this season. This season was disappointing because they made you think that they were in it and then they just never kind of followed through. But going into the season, we didn't think that we'd even be 
be here. D- despite us being in fourth place, we're in the best division in baseball. But I think, I mean, you got, you know, uh, Yoshida, left field. You got Cassis at first base. You got Raffaello, who just came up the other day after crushing um, in the minors all season. Um, Duran coming back. Trevor Story signs. Hopefully this Meyer kid can come up. You got Devers, obviously. Bayo. So there, there is some bones there for um, a good team. And I think a team that uh, can compete, you know, maybe not next year. We might get another season of this. But in the next couple of years, as those guys kind of mature, I think um, it, it could be a fun – we just need pitching. That's the only thing. Our pitching is god-awful. We have nothing in the minors worth – we don't have any front-line starters. We don't have the next Brian Bayo in the minors. We have a lot of mid-to-late rotation guys. So um, I'm excited to see where they go, but I'm just – I'm bummed that, you know, they couldn't put it together this year. Rafaela is Mookie Light. He's a second-base prospect who now plays outfield – uh, super speedy, super small, but somehow hits with power, even though he's five foot eight. I, he played with the Sea Dogs all last year. It was He was the second most fun player to watch. He was just the most consistently good player. Cassis could just hit tanks. Um, he, he's going to be good. I, I fully anticipate that he's going to be good. He's not going to be Mookie which uh, does lead me into a little bit of a rant about Mookie and how disappointing it was to watch him co- his homecoming to Fenway this weekend. I don't know if anyone saw it. I was talking to a friend at work who actually was there and said that it was alive. It was crazy. And for the Red Sox, it, it, we're fans of the Red Sox here. The Red Sox aren't a poverty franchise. You pay $100 just to get into the door to most of the games. Uh, they sell a ton of merch. They're probably the second or third most popular uh, franchise in all of baseball when it comes to global merch. When you have a talent like Mookie Betts and you trade him for Verdugo, who's a great player, but yeah, it, it literally the, the 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 return of that is so small. And Mookie is about to win another MVP. He won a title in LA. He's one of the most dominant players in baseball, and he might go down as one of the top 10 baseball players of all time. Yeah, that's a little much. But he's up there. He's good. And it was a shame, but the Red Sox just don't. The ownership doesn't want to um, spend the money. They got their their tentacles in, in you know, English Premier League soccer. They got they own the, the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. Now they're looking to buy or buy into, like, an NBA franchise, whether it's a Vegas franchise whenever that happens or seattle or whatever i don't know they're they're acting like a mid-market team when they aren't they shouldn't be a mid-market team so it's it's garbage and i think that if you look at the if you look at the stats you're going to have to just really go back and consider mookie as being one of the best yeah i mean stats back it up he's he's Good. Now he's playing second base again. He played second base over the weekend. He's, I don't know. It's a shame, but we weren't going to sign him for that crazy money. It just sucks. So that's all. And now we'll talk about our fantasy football teams. We did a little fantasy pod last, uh, last week. And uh, how are you guys feeling about your teams? Are you guys feeling good? Me and Tyler are slated to face off week one. I'm going to beat you. You are, I sure. I'm, I'm actually projected to beat you. 
I'm going to beat every team this year by 100 points. No, I, I was pretty pleased with how it went. Um, the draft went much faster than usual. I, I do think that a person that 100% doesn't listen to the podcast, uh, our friend Hartley, who mostly does the draft live from bars and usually zooms in and can never find an internet connection. Um, he's usually the one that's behind Maddie's brother, Kyle, shout out Kyle. He is, uh, he had maybe one of the worst fantasy drafts I've ever seen. He, he kept no players, which is insane. And then he drafted, he drafted a ton eight, of defenders, eight IDPs, I think. <laughs> so yeah. those were some of the highlights for me. I think yeah, my team is good. I, I love that Harley auto drafted Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I think who's now out for at least teams. four weeks. Yeah, it's hard in an eight-man league not to love your team. Um, Maddie was the stretch guy. He was always reaching for players that he likes versus where their average draft position was. Um, Shout out George Pickens. Uh, I think that. There is nobody else in the league that can match my wide receiver core of Tyreek Hill, Devonta Adams, and Justin Jefferson. Yeah, it's about as good as it gets. <laughs> I mean, those those could be arguably the three best wide receivers if Chase, if Chase doesn't like perform as well. So, especially if uh, the Jimmy Garoppolo that showed up in those pictures in the flight uniform is the one that's throwing to Devonta. I want the Jimmy Garoppolo that's that's uh, banging MILF porn stars as opposed to the, the Jimmy Garoppolo that that is just mediocre and throws an absolute duck in the Super Bowl. Yeah. How about John? How do you feel about your team? I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I took Bijan with my first-round pick. Um, I got him in two leagues, so I'm really uh, putting a lot of my apples in that basket. Um. I snagged one of your uh, deep round flyers, Maddie and um, and Jameson Williams. I mean, he's kind of the first man to go. I feel like if I need someone, um, took some. I, my team is full of a couple of guys that, uh, you know, high potential upside, but potential uh, bust too. With like Calvin Ridley coming back after a year, who looked great, but you know that much time off. Um, you know, who knows? Uh, Debo Samuel with that crazy San Francisco offense, who knows if there's enough uh, to go around for him. Uh, James Conner is another one who, like, who knows? That team seems like a dumpster fire. But, I mean, maybe they just hand the ball off to James Conner and let him, let him go. Uh, Michael Thomas, I took a flyer on. You know, maybe he can go back to his former self. And uh, the one I'm kind of high on, um, and I'm hoping kind of – all revolves around uh, Mr. Unlimited Russ Wilson is Cortland Sutton. I mean, he's the clear kind of number one guy, especially with Judy Hurt right now. And even if Judy comes back, um, you know, he's going to be hobbled. It's an ankle injury, so they don't just bounce right back. So I'm hoping uh, Cortland Sutton, I've seen a lot of people that are pretty high on him this year, and hopefully he can, um, you know, he can produce. Um, and then my quarterback, I didn't, 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 you got my boy, Matty, you got Josh Allen. Um, who I've had for like the last four years. So I was like so confused. Like my head was spinning. I didn't know what to do. So I got Justin Herbert. 
real boomer bust guy, you know, I mean, he can have huge games. He can also have, um, you know, Chargers quarterback games where he throws a bunch of picks and whatever. But I don't know. I'm always optimistic going into the season. With our small league, I think it's really anybody's game. It depends, you know, on the all our teams are super stacked. Even Kyle's team, who drafted eight IDPs, his team, I'm playing him. He's still got, like, Hurts, T- uh, Higgins, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Saquon Barkley. So his team is still pretty good yeah, despite yeah. drafting like, in, like a crazy person. Yeah, totally. I, I feel pretty good about my team. Um, I think I'm pretty well-rounded. My receivers are the biggest question marks because they're all pretty young. I have Garrett Wilson, George Pickens, and Brandon Ayuk. But on the bench, I have some veterans like Mike Evans and Gabe Davis. And then, uh, you know, ro- a rookie like Zay Flowers. Um, my, I'm really excited about my tight end, uh, Darren Waller, going into the year as long as he's healthy because it seems like he is going to be the binky. Um uh, my running back situation is pretty good overall. I mean, I have uh, or very good to, for my top two, which is McCaffrey and Chubb. I do have Jameer Gibbs, who I think is going to be the starting back in Detroit. But Dave Montgomery might have something to say about that. But Jameer Gibbs is probably a better athlete overall, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, as John said, I do have Josh Allen, which I'm very excited about. I also, for kicker, I did draft a kicker a little earlier than mo- than I usually do. And I got Justin Tucker. So that's always a fun one to have is just having like an automatic, like, especially with a, you know, like a better Baltimore offense, you're pretty much like at least getting like seven to eight points and sometimes, and you'll have those random like 10 plus point games out of your kicker. So I'm excited about my team overall. I think it's yeah. a pretty good team. We talked about the Patriots a little bit earlier, but, uh, you know, you touched on something that is really interesting, and I heard some grumblings about it. Is Kyler Murray going to be on the move at some time soon? He is on a five-year contract, a pretty high contract when it comes down to his production in Arizona, but uh, low overall for a quarterback. They're talking about how they're going to have to send picks with him for whatever team takes on his contract. If you're the Patriots, are you going to take on a talent like Kyler Murray with picks? It depends on what the picks look like, I guess. Yeah, it's like the same thing for when they got rid of Mookie Betts. They they sold for, for pennies on the dollar to get rid of David Price's contract. Um, I would be super... Um, Hesitant for Kyler Murray. He's little, a little guy, super talented, but I don't, I don't, I'd rather roll with Mac. Who's more, I don't know. He's better for our offense. I think, I mean, he's closer to what Tom Brady is than, than Kyler Murray is. So, but how, how much of you do you think is based on Cliff Kingsbury who couldn't make anything happen with, with Patrick Mahomes he was unproven and got fired in college, despite the fact that he had some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now underneath him. He gets fired, and then he fails with a hyper-talented quarterback in the NFL. So how much of this is on Kyler, and how much of it is on, on Cliff? I guess we'll find out this year. I guess yeah. we'll find out this year. That's I think it's a wait and see type of situation. Well, I don't I don't really think you can like really say either way, but we'll wait and see for sure. We'll wait and see for sure. So let's move on from fantasy. We're already at the half hour mark. Um, I just want to touch briefly on the 
Bishop Sycamore documentary because Tyler had me watch that. I watched that today. And wow, what a grift. That is just some all-time con con <laughs> stuff. And that coach is an absolute sociopath. I can't believe how much footage they got of him like talking about this team. He looks like a psycho. He talks like a psycho. I mean, one of his quotes was, I believe I'm the most honest liar I know, which is like that pretty much sums up the documentary in a nutshell. And uh, yeah, that's I don't really have a ton to say about it. I just wanted to mention that briefly. Yeah, for for John, do you remember Bishop Sycamore and the story? Yeah, they're like the fake high school that like was on ESPN and stuff, right? Yeah, and they got all their players hurt by playing IMG, which literally twenty five percent of that team ends up in the NFL, and yeah. uh, another fifty percent ends up on Division one scholarships. So it's it's an academy that's built to build NBA. Uh, PGA, just professional athletes and put them in a position to succeed in terms of sports rather than academics, which is, uh, you know, neither here nor there. I have my opinions about how we should be treating 16-year-olds and and education versus preparing them for professional sports. But if they're going to be professional athletes, you might as well prepare them for that. So... Uh, Bishop Sycamore essentially was this grift that this guy got away with for far too long. He was able to climb heights that you don't think that people should be able to and got his team of misfits onto ESPN in a national spot on a a Sunday evening at 7 o'clock or something like that. And his team, none of the kids went to school. He hadn't paid a bill in a year. He was flighting checks. They didn't have a trainer on the sidelines. One of the players blew his ACL out in the first quarter, and he didn't even have an offense to run. He had no playbook. He just was recruiting uh, kids that from kids, and I use that term lightly because some of the ki- people on the team were 23 playing against high school right. kids. And it was absolutely insane to see what they could get away with. And the HBO and the documentarians that put it together did a really good job at making it very cool and watchable. Yeah, I do want to watch it. I've heard of it. I'm a little behind on those. I just I actually just watched the uh, Manziel, um, Manziel one uh, last week, which I really liked. I know you guys talked about it when I wasn't here, but I do want to watch that one. That one. I remember hearing about that story and just be like, what, what? Like, that, it, it just it doesn't seem real. It's like one of those things, like, just keep on going until you can, I guess. I'd like yeah, it to be known wild. that that guy is running a high school team in the same way today while this documentary was being aired. It's oh, he's great. not in jail. No, no. There was nothing technically illegal because they filed as a religious school and there's like all these exemptions for religious schools. So it's like a whole little, the grift is just like so real. So he, like he did not, no one went to jail. Like there was no like illegal actions from a technical standpoint. It's just an ultimate grift. I think that one of the better lines uh, in the whole, in the whole thing was when they talk about how many, lawsuits he has against him at once and just a quick legal search that some regular person some pedestrian just did and when the documentary the the filmmakers actually asked him straight up he goes how many did you find 
So he knows how many are out there, and he was just, he knows there's more than what are probably seen. Yeah, I don't want to, don't want to give away your, uh, <laughs> just go, go with whatever number they say. He literally would just sign people up for, uh, leases and then not pay a single bill until they were, until they were evicted and then do the same thing at another place. All these 16 year old kids. Yeah, that's crazy. Crazy. All right, well, let's move on to the Ryder Cup because I just have some thoughts. Uh, Ryder Cup golf, of course. Um, so the big news out of the weekend is that Justin Thomas made the Ryder Cup as a captain's pick or whatever from uh, Zach Johnson. And, you know, so he kind of justified it by saying, like, you know, Justin Thomas has a very good uh, record in, like, international play and everything like that, and which is true and everything. But the thing is, he was absolutely horrible this year. He missed the cut at three majors. He didn't qualify for the FedEx playoffs, which is really bad. Meanwhile, someone like Keegan Bradley, who had two wins, including like the Travelers, um, six top tens. Lucas uh, Glover um, also didn't make it. He had two wins like in the second half of the year, I believe. Um, just, you know, it's just it's just so clearly a boys club and like a popularity contest and you just want like the faces and stuff like that. I think something like the Ryder Cup should really go on merit. And if you are arguably, you know, playing the you if you are playing the worst year of your career and don't even qualify the FedEx playoffs, no wins, missed three cuts at majors, you do not belong on the Ryder Cup team. Like that is that is really bad, especially when someone like Keegan Bradley, who really, really want wanted to be on there, like deserve to be on there over him. I just think it's a damn shame. And uh I think that's a tough look for Zach Johnson. Yeah, fuck Zach Johnson. Um Zach Johnson is actually my fake name that I give out because um as you all know that I don't have very many enemies in my life. And my one enemy is a person named Zach Johnson. So, you know, the fact that there's a professional golfer with his name, I can never cheer for him. And the fact that he won a Masters is very frustrating. But uh, it was the name that I used to give police when I'd get caught at the quarry jumping with Zach Johnson my entire life. It's my fake name if I ever get in tr- used to get in trouble. Yeah. Living up to the name. Yeah, yeah I just, it, that does seem really weird. I mean, I haven't been following golf a lot this year. There's just been a lot going on. Um, but just off of the facts that you just threw out, that seems crazy. It seems like there are a lot of other guys that are more. Yeah, more, like uh, even like I, I know me and Tyler are high on Morikawa as a player, but he did not deserve to be on the team over those two people either. Like he that he did not have a good year. Yeah. No, but they used to do this with Tiger all the time. And Tiger's in, in, after the downfall and and kind of on the rise back up to his Masters. But Tiger yeah, I mean, Woods, they, like they Tiger do Woods, it in Europe too with like Ian Poulter too. Like they yeah. did it for years with Ian Poulter, even though he was on the downswing. But I just, especially when Keegan Bradley was so like he even in his in a quote like today or yesterday he was talking about how he even like tried to like warm up to some of the guys a little more and like include himself a little more in hopes that like he'd have a better shot and like it all was for nothing. Like he pretty much just like was just trying to sell himself to make the Ryder cup team. Cause he knew he deserved it, but he knew he wouldn't be picked if he wasn't part of like the boys club, which is yeah, that so sucks. Stupid. That sucks. You shouldn't, you should, I mean, 
your play should speak for yourself. I mean, there's certain there's certain instances like Tiger Woods is Tiger Woods. Like even across sports, there's certain certain guys that have like an aura around them, and I feel like Justin Thomas. I don't know. He's yeah, not. He's not Tiger Woods. Yeah, yeah he, he's not. He had a short but really solid peak where he won a major and everything. Um, he's won, you know, won multiple stops and everything. And but it, ha- it wasn't like some like great long sustained su- success. Like it was yeah. a short peak. And if this is if if this is where he's at now and is not going to play better than this, like what it like what why are well, we and- forcing him onto a team? And you want to pick guys, if, if I'm not mistaken, for the Ryder Cup that are hot. You want to win the tournament. You want to beat yeah. the Europeans. You'd I, It doesn't matter if it was, you know, uh, Justin Thomas or Max Homa. Like, if Max Homa was winning tournaments or someone, you know, like that, I would say I'd rather pick them. But, they're, I, you know, it is a boy. He, Gotta expect it, I guess. Golf is golf at the end of the day. Like at least like Kepka Kepka made it a captain's pick. And at least he's like won a major this year and like has won in at live. Like like he deserves to be on the team as a captain's pick. Like that makes sense to me. I do think that it's really Zach Johnson could have very easily fallen back on the fact that this is a match play tournament as opposed to a strokes tournament, which is the reason why they used to have uh, some of the Ian Poulters of the world and everything. Well, else. that that is what he said. That's why he picked Justin Thomas because of his match play, like history internationally and stuff like that. But he, he, match play is a completely different way to play golf. And I can see that being a reason too, because you're not trying to beat the course. You're not trying to remain consistent. You just need to play every hole like it's your last. But wouldn't you want to pick a guy that's um, playing very well, playing super well? Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah, I get it. it yeah, like it's someone a who's clearly who's, who's who's far and away playing better than someone who was picked on the team. I don't know. Yeah, I just, old fashioned. I, I disagree with the whole thing. I don't think Justin Thomas should have made it. But let's move on from the Ryder Cup because we're going to dive into some college football. You know, week one's coming up. We had week zero this past year. And uh, Tyler and I decided to join forces and pick five teams um, to kind of follow this year. So I like to follow different teams every year. Um just because I am, as I said earlier, when I was talking about UMass, like I'm not necessarily a fan of any team and I like UNC is probably the closest thing to I'm a fan of just because I've been following UNC sports since I was 10. But uh, I like to pick different teams each year to follow. And the teams Tyler and I picked, uh, number one, we are both big fans of Caleb Williams. So we are going to go with one of the hot, hot teams and that's USC. So Four of their top six wide receivers are back. They got transfers from Arizona, new tight end, new transfers in to shore up the D, even though they looked a little shaky week one. Um, they uh, Caleb Williams was fantastic in week one. So they really just need to be able to stop the run, and they are definitely a potential uh, playoff team. So that's a that's a fun one. Um, obviously, Lincoln Riley, who's old, like just turning 40, is the coach, and he is the QB whisperer right now so that's cool another team we're going to follow is wisconsin so that's a uh, cincinnati's luke fickle and uh, brought out uh is now the head coach and he brought over phil longo from unc actually uh, who coached like drake may and like sam howell and stuff like that so uh they definitely got some 
major upgrades on the coaching staff, which is really nice for Wisconsin. Um, they have Tanner Mordecai as the QB. He's a transfer from SMU. Should be should actually have a solid wide receiver core. He got some transfers from USC, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State. Running game should be great. Braylon Allen and uh, uh, Shea Malushi. Um, definitely worried a little more about the O-line for them from what I was reading on football previews, but the pass rush and the pass rush could be a little worse this year, but they, I mean, it's Wisconsin. They're going to have a good D. The other team we're going to follow, one of the other teams we're going to follow is Coastal Carolina. Um, so they, their coach, uh, went to Liberty. So in comes Tim Beck. Um, they have, uh, healthy Grace McCall, who, you know, is a 70% career passer, 78 to eight touchdown ratio. Um, they have like Pickney, who's a great wide receiver, um, a veteran O-line, decent RBs. Defense is going to struggle as Coastal Carolina will do, but that's that's about it. The other team, we wanted an SEC team and we, we decided to go with um, Mississippi State. So I just want to first say, Rest in peace, Mike Leach. Um, new coach Zach Arnett's coming in. Will Rogers at QB. They're going to probably go less of an air raid this year, air raid offense this year. They have veteran running backs, um, veteran O line. Just a good, they're going to have a good offense, and the defense is their strength. So I think they actually could. I mean, in a very very difficult SEC, still could play well. Um, the coach was actually the defensive coordinator too, so you know they actually. Um, you know, ha- have a defensive-minded coach to go with like a strong offense, which is nice. And the last team we're going to pick is Tulane. Veteran coach Willie Fritz brought them to 12-2 and two last year. They actually, if you remember, beat USC and Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, and they won the AAC. They have the best O-line in the AAC, good running backs, dual-threat QB and Michael Pratt. Lost five of their seven targets, though, which is crazy. They got some targets through the transfer portal. And the defense might take a step back from what I was reading. So we will see on that. But uh, Tyler, do you have any thoughts on any of our teams? You excited to watch some of these teams? So I I think that USC is obviously the cream of the crop. I think that they're going to struggle with Notre Dame this year. Based on what I saw in week zero from Notre Dame against Navy, they're just going to pound the ball on teams. And Sam Hartman is a good enough QB. He's a a good QB. Sam Hartman's good. Yeah, he's a top 10 QB in the country, probably. Yes, he, he might is. Not, he might not translate to the NFL. He will get a shot in the NFL if he keeps playing like he did the other day. In running that RPO that they were, he was running a professional offense, and he is, I believe, the leading passer in ACC history. Um, He's a six-year college player, though. Yeah, Wake he, he Forest, is old. right? Uh, but I think that that is USC's biggest test of the entire season, and their entire uh, season hinges upon that one game. I do think they'll lose one in the Pac-10 or you know, the Pac-12, the Pac-10, however many teams still exist there after they all leave. But um, that that's a difficult conference right now with as many quarterbacks that they have um wisconsin's probably my favorite in the group braylon allen is so much fun to watch uh wisconsin always seems to find those uh cheese fed hosses to go up front so i'm not super concerned about the offensive line and uh getting a new quarterback in there is definitely a plus for them 
Coastal Carolina and Tulane, I just really love to watch them. They always play national, nationally televised games. They're always in a game, and they always make them fun to watch. Plus, elite jerseys. Two of the most elite college football jerseys that you can find out there. Uh, I do love Grayson McCall. He's a college QB through and through. I, I see no ability to translate that into the pros, but he's just so much fun to watch. And Mississippi State is one of my more, uh, just a watch that I can't get away from. And it's because their defense is always so good. And definitely RIP Mike Leach, a legend in college football. He is the antithesis of what the history of Mississippi State has been is that they have legendary defensive players in the pros uh, and and no offense. Mike Leach tried to bring an offense. Will Rogers is is sneaky a top 10 quarterback in college football right now, which doesn't mean that he's going to get drafted, but he's fun to watch. He's Manziel light. So. Yeah, I love it. Love it. All right, now I'm going to just run through quickly just my uh, – I picked five teams myself. So um, just just teams for Maddie to follow this year. And that would be, of course, UNC. You know, Mac Brown's still there. No more Phil Longo. Drake May returns. He's probably the second-best QB in the country. Um, some scouts see him as the best. They have – you know, should have solid wide receivers again. Obviously lost Josh Downs, but uh, they have great tight ends. Um Coastal Carolina's Willie Lemkin coming in at center to shore up the O-line because that was a huge problem for them last year. Um, they definitely need better running back production. And we just have to see if the defense can be worse this year. I don't think they can get worse this year, but we'll see. They did have some transfers. The next team, I love Sam Pittman. So I had to choose Arkansas. And I also love watching KJ Jefferson. So KJ Jefferson's back. Um, they have 16 wins over the last two seasons, lots of close losses last year. And uh, they had a bowl game win against Kansas last year. They have, uh, Raheem Sanders at running back. Uh, they have a new offensive coordinator from Maryland, um, who was pretty good there. Sam Pittman is definitely one of the best offensive line minds in college football. So I think that should, you know, sure up the O-line a little bit. Um, but yeah, they probably have the worst defense in the SEC. So that's kind of tough to go by. The next is the reigning Big 12 uh, champions, Kansas State. So they obviously lost uh, some players last year, like Blake Martinez, their quarterback, and Deuce Vaughn. But uh, Will Howard is going to take the reins at QB, and I think that's just going to be – I think it's going to be fun to see him. So the defense is younger, some transfers. I still think they have a chance at the Big 12. I don't really see them winning it this year, especially with Texas – um, looking like they're probably going to be the best team. Uh, maybe Oklahoma doing a little better this year. Um, another team that actually already played this year that I decided to follow along with was Ohio. Um, second year coach, uh, Tim Albin, who did a great job last year. They were seven, one in the Mac 10 to four overall. They have good receivers, good back, but Curtis Rourke is not healthy. The quarterback CJ Harris started the first game and he was horrible. He was 18 of 42 with three picks. And lastly, I'm going to be following Oregon because Bo Nix, Bo Nix is back. Dan Lanning, second year head coach. Uh, and, you know, he obviously, Bo Nix obviously played fine enough at Auburn, but really took off last year. He had 3,500 passing yards, 500 plus rushing yards, 43 total touchdowns last year. Um, 
Troy Franklin has potential to be one of the best pass catchers in the country. They have multiple transfers, should have a solid O-line, and that's pretty pretty exciting. I think there's those are all going to be fun teams to watch. And lastly, I just have to say, yes, I will be watching UMass. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really only have a few teams to add to there. I'm a, I'm a hook'em horns guy. Uh, last year, I bit ho- hook, line, and sinker into the Quint Ewers. The, mo- the best college football game I watched all year was Texas beating up on Alabama in the first in the first half. And when Quinn Ewers went down, they were about to win that game and be on their way to a college football playoff berth. I think that he is that guy. I think he's talented. I think they brought in more talent, even though they lost Bijan Robinson. Uh, Texas is back, everyone. It's it. I, I don't want to be a Texas fan. I hate that I'm rooting them on, and I hate that Arch Manning is the, the QB in waiting, but there are worse things than your number one overall prospect in all of college football being backed up by another number one college football prospect. Um, another team, I, I, I went back and forth. I love LSU. I've loved them for 10 or 15 years. I... I I love their chants. I love their colors. I love just the way that they play football. Even though they've changed their styles, I just cannot root on Chip Kelly. I hate him. I think he's terrible. Brian Kelly. Brian, Brian Kelly. Kelly. I'm sorry, not Chip Kelly. Brian <laughs> Kelly. Um, I cannot root him on. Um, but when I when I think about another SEC school, there is another orange team that I can root for and that's Tennessee and I think Joe Milton this year has one of the best arms since Jamarcus Russell and it should be super fun to see him just chuck it 90 yards down the field Um, but beyond that there's really nobody else that I'm interested in watching Tennessee was super fun last year with Hendon Hooker and and all those guys uh, they've obviously lost them all to, to the pros. But um, I just think Tennessee is is kind of building something there, and it will be fun to watch over the next few years. They have the first $7 million NIL guy sitting on the bench too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tyler, do you have any picks for the playoffs? I, I, I can go first if you want. I want to hear Dalton's picks for who's going to be in the playoffs this year. As a non-college football guy, who are your picks? Because I should just follow you. I'm sure that you're going to be more accurate than anything we've done. Um, USC. Um, one time I, uh, when I used to work at a liquor store, um, I was about to close down the place. It was about five minutes to ten, and the, the door jingled. And in walked uh, your boy, Brian Kelly, um, and bought a bottle of cheap wine um, passing through Southboro on Route 9. I didn't recognize him right away. My boss, who was this like multimillionaire, or my boss at the time, uh, shout out uh, Sperry and Sperry's Liquors, was like, that was fucking Brian Kelly. He was, he's, he was watching on the, uh, the security cameras. And I was like, oh shit, Manti Teo, that's back when he was coaching... Um, Notre Dame, right? That that was a thing. Yes. Um, so LSU is going to be my second pick because of that. Um, dude, I don't know. 
Tennessee, and uh, <laughs> Wisconsin. Oh, love it. Love it. Those are fun picks. Those are fun picks. I'm surprised right. you didn't go with Alabama, and that was appropriate because Alabama has been a powerhouse, but they are they are literally going to start Notre Dame's third-string quarterback last year. Yeah, they need Alabama Mac back. So, yeah, those are my picks. Lock it in stone. Write it, write it down. <laughs> Love it. All right, Tyler, what do you got? Do you have it? Or want me to go first? I, I, I can go. I, I think that I'm going to put all my eggs into the Texas basket. I think that it's going to be Texas, Ohio State. I think that you're going to see – LSU hey. and USC. Oh, hey. Oh, wow. You guys have some similar ones. Jump uh, on board. I, I am so shocked neither of you picked Georgia uh, to go for a three-peat or a potential three-peat. Uh, they are still the best defense in the country, and they probably will have one of the best offenses in the country with you know their star tight end and everything, um, even though – I don't, I, I can't remember the, I can't remember the guys, the quarterback's name right now, but uh, Georgia would be my first pick. I believe they'll be the one seed. Um, I have Ohio state as a two seed. I have Clemson as the three seed and I have USC as uh, the four seed. So that's my picks. I want to, I, I want to redact my Tennessee pick. I just kind of said that. Let me, let me do, let me, I'll stick with the other three. Let me do a little research and I'll next week. I'm going to come up with my fourth one, so you can lock in USC, LSU, and Wisconsin. And, and Wisconsin. I don't know. Okay. Um, let me do a little research, and then I that'll be the national champion. I'll pick the national champion, but I'm not just going to pick like Georgia or whoever. I'm going to actually do research and and make an informed decision. Georgia but, is an informed decision. Just so you well, know. I know, but I want to spit facts. Like I don't know one player on Georgia. I, I want to learn some two- facts. There are two sleepers out there that could really make an impact and, and that n- neither of us mentioned. I think Wisconsin can legitimately make a run at it. I think that I know they could make a run on in the, the Big Ten. Um, they could really go out there and surprise some people and have a better record than Michigan and Ohio State while they beat up each other. Um, I also think that this is completely knee jerk. Notre Dame voters love Notre Dame and they do. They're going to be good this year. Yeah. Notre Dame definitely has a shot. I, 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 Notre Dame, Michigan are like the only other two out of my four. I think that have a legit shot. Um, I, th- I think LSU is up there too. I think those would be my three behind my four. I mean, USC, uh, they, they still got um Carson Palmer. Reggie Bush yeah. as well. Reggie Bush, Mike Williams. Um, they actually like still Mike Williams. Have OJ Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Matt Leinart. Yeah, they, yeah. They're starting Carson Palmer and Matt Leinart at the same time. Actually, that's doing, yeah. Doing that's su- they're doing Superflex uh, Super in college this year. <laughs> yeah. The the blind yeah. snapper. The blind snapper just decides based on vibes <laughs> who to snap Ju- it to. Justin Jefferson on US on LSU. Odell. So yeah. I don't know. I'm going off past pedigree here, boys. I it's like a real, it. I like real it. good, good way to pick teams. 
Cool. Ten years right. later. <laughs> well, we're going to just do a short little silly breakfast because we're already at about an hour. So we'll just do a quick one. And we're just going to say, uh, what is it? What's our favorite breakfast food or what What are we as breakfast food? What do you classify yourself as breakfast food? It's the first real silly breakfast topic. Very meta of us. Okay. Does someone want to go? Yep, I'll go. Sausage patty. I can see bacon, that. Deal. Bacon seems like the obvious choice, but sausage patty, um, underrated, uh, great in breakfast sandwiches, great with cream cheese. I'm, um, you know, me too. I get a little cream cheese in me in the morning. All bets are off, um, especially if I get cream cheese on me. Um, you know, a little greasy at times. You know, um, some I'm not not good for you, but so, something you just can't say no to. That's kind of me in a nutshell. It's me, sausage patties. Um, final answer. All right. Um, you know what? I mean, I, I think the obvious answer for me would be bacon. Um, but I'm just going to go for scrambled eggs. Cause that's my absolute favorite. And it's like a little, you know, it's, 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 it's nice and light. Uh, you know, I'm getting lighter these days. It's a light, uh, you know, light, airy, fluffy, fluffy. thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a hairy, fluffy thing. Um, as we can see on the zoom right now that adds to the fluff <laughs> yeah so cool. I, i'm gonna go with scrambled eggs how about you tyler so i've thought a lot about this i think i'm french toast and here's why is that i'm in terms of the the breakfast pastries i'm probably the most forgotten one but i'm also the one that you use in a pinch when you need to throw th- some things together so you know you have an egg you have some old toast, you soak the toast in a little vanilla, you throw it on the skillet, and you got something delicious. You don't soak toast, you soak bread. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean. Okay, well, I mean, that would be insane. Crunchy French toast would be wild. Try I thought it. we were doing breakfast Cinnamon breakfast meats. I thought we were doing breakfast meats. Yeah, that was I just didn't know what we were doing either. I, I, just kind of, I just kind of went with, went, went with eggs just because that's... Shit. I, yeah. All right. Well, honorable mention biscuits and gravy. Oh, that's I mean, a good one. Yeah, I mean, not much needs to be said about the similarities between me and biscuits and gravy. A little thick, a little meaty. Um, I got them biscuits. So you pick either one: sausage gravy. So it kind of ties in with my sausage patty. But I mean, little needs to be said about the similarities between me and biscuits and gravy. All right. Because this is a good one this week. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, yeah. hold on. But if I was going to be anything else, it would be pancakes for a little Bismack Biombo. Pancakes? Okay. Yeah. That, that flat good. pancake ass. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys. We're going to wrap up now. We're uh, running, running nice and long. So it's a nice long episode for everyone. A lot of topics covered today, so thank you for listening to episode 23, and we'll be back for episode 24 next week, and we'll talk to you soon. Love you. Love you too. Bye-bye.